0: Many of you wanted to know, you've asked about a word that I shared last week. Some said they tried to look it up in the dictionary. It's not in the dictionary, unless maybe you go to the hills of Kentucky. It might be in the Kentucky Dictionary somewhere. I'm not sure. And there's a lot of words in the Kentucky Dictionary that aren't in many others. My grandmother used to use the word momic. Anybody ever hear the word momic? If something didn't turn out, like she cooked something and it didn't turn out the way she'd wanted, she'd say, boy, I made a momic of that. <laughs> I have no clue what that means, but okay. So there are some terms like that. We're beginning today a series that I've entitled Living Out God's Dream. And while I use this word dream, it may be more suitable to say God's plan. Uh, I believe God has a plan. For you, for me, for every single one of us, He has a plan. I believe that uh, He has a purpose. And He will enable us and give us the power to be able to perform and to be able to accomplish that purpose and that plan that He has for our lives. And I've referred it to being a dream because all of us have dreamed about something in our lives. We've all dreamed about being something or doing something. And, um, Those dreams change, but also the character that we're going to be looking at is this man, Joseph, from the Old Testament. His story begins in Genesis chapter 37, and so he begins this message, uh, this story of, of telling us about his life and how it begins, which we're going to be looking at today, but then every aspect of his life, we can see how God used him to fulfill this purpose that he had for them. God knew from the beginning that Joseph would be this man who would deliver God's people from destruction, that basically the whole world could have ended because of this great famine that was coming, but Joseph, through a dream, sees this and is able to rise in status and come to a place where he's able to save every person on the face of the earth at that time, and God knew that's going to be your job. I'm going to accomplish that through you. And so it was kind of God's dream, okay, that this would be what, um, he, what Joseph would do. Now, you know the story of Joseph. You know that, that you know we have Abraham and, and, and his wife, Sarah, and they have a son, Isaac, and then Isaac has a son, Jacob, and later Jacob's name is changed to be Israel, and Israel has 12 sons. Those are the twelve tribes of Israel, and we know that Joseph is number eleven. Um, he's the firstborn to really the true love of, of Isaac or uh, of uh, Jacob's uh, life, and so uh, he just loves this young boy. And then another son is born to uh, him, and is Benjamin, the youngest. And so when we come into chapter thirty-seven uh, of Genesis, we begin this story about. Joseph, and so let's look today um, at that story. If you want to go ahead and turn to Genesis 37, uh, we'll we'll be there in just a moment. I'm going to pull out some passages in each in that chapter, uh, some verses in that chapter. My grandfather uh, was a Kentuckian. He he was born and raised in Kentucky, and and. Dean, poor, knows exactly what I'm talking about. He's been through that area, and, and my mom still actually lives in that town that, that she grew up in. Uh, he went back there to retire. But my grandfather had a wonderful sense of humor, and he was fantastic with names. Anytime that we would get a pet, our first phone call was to my grandfather, and we would describe that pet to him and then say, now, what would you name this particular animal? Uh, for example, he had a cat that was completely white. Obviously, you named this cat Blackout. <laughs> All right? Well, Blackout had three kittens. They were white, but one of them had three black feet. Another one had two black feet, and the third one had one black foot. Creative as can be, that was. Foot, 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 and foot, foot, foot. <laughs> and he would tell you, this way, if foot dies, I still have foot, foot, and foot. If foot, foot dies, I have foot, 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 and foot. If foot, 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 and foot die, I won't have any feet at all. And that was his humor. Well, when I reached a certain age in life, he began to call me something. Hippity Hoy. I had no clue what that meant until one day he finally said, Sean, you're a hippity-hoy somewhere between a man and a boy. Now you know what a hippity-hoy is. All of us have been in that stage of life where you're old enough that you're not really being treated like a child anymore. But you're not old enough to really be considered an adult, and it's a difficult time of life. And, and someone asked this morning, is a hippity-hoy a bad thing? And I said, when you're a hippity-hoy, it's a horrible thing. Everybody else sees it at probably the greatest time of your life, right? How many of us would like to go back to that 16 set? Well, maybe not. I don't know. But it was a great time of life. It's a wonderful time of life. But when you're in that time of life, you hate it. You don't want to, you really don't want to be there because you don't want to be treated like a kid and some people still do. And you know, I want to be treated like an adult, but you're not there yet. So you don't have that freedom. And when we are introduced to this young man, Joseph, he is a hippity hoy. He's a hippity hoy. Let's start right at chapter 37 and, and look with me. Um, we're going to start right at verse number 1, I believe. Yes, and I'd like to read the first four verses of, of chapter 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, this is important. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw this, that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. The first thing I'd like for us to realize this morning in this message, and you have an outline there in your worship folder, is this, that God is not a respecter of age. God is not a respecter of age. I could also add in their status, age and status. Here is a young man of 17 years old, and God is already implanting this dream within him, this plan, this purpose that he has for this young man to fulfill a great task for God. God did not really care that Joseph wasn't old enough to be an adult. He didn't really care that he was no longer a child. God doesn't care about our age. He doesn't care about our status in life. God will use and does use whoever he chooses, whenever he chooses. Age is not important. God can use the youngest to the oldest. There's no such thing as being too young, and there's no such thing as retirement from serving the Lord. We all have a purpose and are all needed in the body of Christ. There's a saying that I don't really, I understand it, but I've actually changed it a little bit, is when people say, well, those children, they're the church of tomorrow. No, they're the leaders of the church tomorrow. But I guarantee you they're just as much a part of the church today as they will be tomorrow. Because if we removed all of our children from this place, we would be incomplete. And so they are needed in this church. We lo- My wife just a few years ago, you know, we. We heard, and, and they're leaving, but they don't have to. But we do have a nursery for them. I love hearing babies cry. I do. Do you know why? It's life. Because I've got to admit, as much as I already love many of you, you look really dead sometimes on Sunday morning. <laughs> and children bring us life into the church. We could learn from them. God's not respect for age. Think about the elderly. Think about people in the Bible. God chooses this man, Abraham, and he tells him, you know, your descendants will be like the sands of the earth. Your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. You won't be able to count them. And yet, here he's reaching close to 100 years old and has not had a son yet. What am I going to do? He's 100. His wife Sarah's 90 before their first child is even born to them. God didn't care about their age. And that seems to be a constant theme. We, we go to Hannah. You remember Hannah? She had prayed for a child so much. Uh, you know, the, her husband's other wife, she was giving children to her husband. And now Hannah can't. And, and you remember her story. It says that she goes to the temple and she lays on the steps and she's crying out in prayer that the priest thought she might have had too much to drink because she was so sombered by praying to the Lord Wanting a child. And the Lord gave her that child. And that was Samuel. We go to the New Testament. Here's uh Zachariah and Elizabeth. They they're told in their old age, you're going to have a child. He, he's going to be born to you. He will be this person. And and was told exactly how he would be, even to what he would be named. He will be named John. And Zachariah didn't believe, and the Lord muted him for the entirety of that pregnancy. Because he didn't believe that that was going to happen. So God uses the elderly. He uses people who would say, I'm way past my prime. No, God may be just saying, you're just coming into your prime for me. This is the time I can use you the most. Some of our elderly have more time than they've ever had. More time to serve and more time to be uh, used by the Lord. But God doesn't just use the elderly. Think about children. You know, think about that little girl that the Lord went in and said, why are you all weeping? She's she's only asleep. And raised her up, and then he said, get her something to eat. I don't know about you, but usually dead people don't eat. She was alive. What do you think her testimony was after that, playing with other kids and, and seeing other adults, to tell them, I was dead. And the Lord raised me to life. Think about a widow who's already lost her husband. Now she loses her son. She's in a funeral procession. And the Lord, actually on his way to perform another miracle, stops. And he goes to the young man and he touches that body and he says, get up. And that young man got up. What do you think his friends thought later? What what kind of testimony did he have? Think about the children that were on the lap of the Lord and playing around at his feet and enjoying that time, being with our Savior. And the disciples tried to shoo them away, and the Lord said, no, you've got to be like them. And then even made a pronouncement that if you would mislead one of these children, it would be better for a, a millstone to be wrapped around your neck and tossed into the sea. Do you know he said that in the town of Capernaum? Do you know Capernaum was a fishing town? They were also an industrial town. Guess what they made? Millstones. He would have been seeing millstones all over in that community. As he said that, people would have been looking right at those heavy stones. Think about that little boy that one morning left his house. I was actually going to preach this message, part of this message last week, uh, with this story of a little boy that leaves his house one day and his mom uh, sees as he's leaving that his little little friend Philip was took off with him, and she said, oh, I didn't know he was going to be with Philip today. Philip's mother's been so sick. His dad's had to stay home from work just to take care of his mother. They don't have anything. Philip's probably not going to have a lunch today. I should have packed more so that my son could have given Philip some lunch. Of course, they make their way to a hillside and this man named Jesus decides he's going to feed 5,000 people that day. Can you imagine that little boy coming home and his mom saying, "I I need to apologize to you. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that Philip was going to be with you today. Had I known that Philip was going to be with you, I would have packed you a bigger lunch so you could have fed him too. Did you have enough for you and Philip? Mom, can you come out here on the porch and let me show you something? The Lord will use any person of any age, of any status in life, as he seems fit to do. God is not a respecter of age. He is not a respecter of status. You might be a hippity-hoy. You might be younger and you might be older. God can still use you to fulfill his dream, his plan, his purpose. Well, the second thing I'd like to share with you from this passage is this. Read with me in verse number five. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. Sometimes living out God's dream is a nightmare for others. Living out God's dream can sometimes be a nightmare for others, and there's a few reasons why that that can be the case one one reason it may be a nightmare for someone else is because of pride and jealousy let's admit we we all have issues with pride and jealousy don't we 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 all want to uh, be the person that's highlighted or the person that's praised and and we want to make people proud we we want to be the one and, and we live with that pride and then if somebody else has it <laughs> We're all jealous of that. We've all had those times in life, and and I confess to that. As a matter of fact, when I was in college, my second year, um, I had a roommate that we sang in a gospel quartet together, and um, his name is Matt. And actually, he is the pastor at the church that our associate pastor Josh grew up in. And so Matt uh, Matt Rowe Matt Rowe is probably one of the greatest tenor singers I've ever heard in my life. Matt would wake up in the morning and already be singing these high tenor notes. He would sing all day long, and that night he's still at it. Never had any vocal issues, never had any uh, hoarseness, he could sing all that, and it was that beautiful tone, it was just amazing, and I hated him for it. You know, I was a guy that was a bass singer, not even a great bass singer at that, a baritone that tried to sing bass in this quartet. I would get hoarse all the time and had to be careful with my voice, and oh, it made me so mad. I could remember saying things like, Lord, why didn't you give me a talent like that? Why, why is it that he gets it and, and I don't? Well, one night we were singing at a church in uh, Newport, Ritchie, Florida and a small little church, and I know now why, but at the time I didn't realize, I was always the one elected to do some type of response time at the end of the concert. Sean, you'd lead a little message at the end, you know. Why are you always asking me, you know? Um, so that night, I, I shared about, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord's plans for you to prosper, you know, you know the message, and and I shared that. Well, what I didn't realize is that the Holy Spirit had just started moving in that church. And and before I could even finish, people were were coming up. We had altars. They were coming up and filling the altars. So I just kept on preaching. And that group of people, and another group came. Three times we filled those altars that night. We were there. We had a two-hour drive back home. We were there till after 11, praying with people. So um, we got in the car to come back. It was an old 19... I think 79, Oldsmobile 98, longer than a pickup truck, and the frame was bent, so you sat in it like this, even though you were driving (laughs) straight that way. And I'm in the back seat trying to rest, and Matt says, Sean, and sometimes I get so angry at you. What did I do? He said, you know, I I see you preach, and I think... (laughs) Why couldn't God give me a talent like that? Why can't I do that? And tonight when you were preaching, I just, it hit me. Man, when God was figuring out how you were going to be made, he said, that's going to be a preacher. And I had to just, I, I was crying in that back seat. I said, I got to confess to you, man. I've thought the same thing about how you sing. And when God was creating you, He touched your voice. God created you. And Matt still sings. I heard him a few years ago. And this time, I could sit and rejoice. Not jealousy, not pride. I could rejoice knowing, man, he is fulfilling what God's dream is. He's leading people to Jesus through the talents and the gifts that he's been given. Great man, great brother. Oh, I just, I thank the Lord that I don't have to live a life of jealousy. You see, sometimes you know what God's plan is for you, but you see somebody else and you think, well, I like that plan better. You know, maybe it's hauling food to Mosaic. But wait, Lord, I'd rather be, no, this is the job I have. Maybe, maybe it is getting up here and singing or leading a Sunday school or sharing in a ministry that you don't even know is going to happen. Maybe it's even to go to the mission field. I don't know but God has a plan for you. Don't ever, ever look to somebody else and say, but I want their plan. I I want what they want. You live your plan. But people aren't always going to be happy about it. There's always going to be people who say, I can't believe the Lord's using them that way. Who cares what they think? Who cares? You live out God's plan. Don't let pride and jealousy get in your way. Another reason it's a nightmare for some people is because of status. What I mean by that is, they look at your status, and they think, God could never use a person like that. How could God use a person like them? I want to show you a picture of a young man that I met uh, several years ago. Uh, this young man is Nick Wojcik. Uh, Nick is, uh, we, we were at a church that, believe it or not, um, we, we had this incredible ministers group that met together. Every month, we'd meet together. We'd have coffee together and pray together and talk together, and we decided that we wanted to do a unity service. Of all the churches in the area, we would do a unity service, about 10 of us that decided to do this. Guess what Sunday we decided to do this on? Easter Sunday. Can you imagine, as a pastor, going to your church saying, I want to cancel our Easter Sunday morning service because we're going to join with 10 other churches in our area, nine other churches, and we're all going to celebrate Easter together. But my church was thrilled about it. We did it. We called it Proclaim. We did this a few, year, three years, actually. The first year, we had the chaplain from the Indianapolis Colts come, and he spoke for us. The second year was this friend of mine that I got to meet, Nick Wojcik. Now, nice-looking guy, nice young man. You would all think, I can see how God would use somebody like him. Let's see a second, this, this is why most people think, God cannot use Nick Vojcik. Nick was born without any arms or legs. He's got one little, he calls it his toe. It's a little small limb, and he can text faster than any of you can with that. Nick has led literally thousands upon thousands of people to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Despite his inabilities, you know, there would probably be some that would say, how could God ever use a man like Nick? And in Nick's situation, I can see Nick saying, how could God ever use a man like me? Nick will tell you there's people that he's met in his life that they may have had a family member with similar conditions that would do everything they could to try to take their life. Nick, in his book called Life Without Limbs, says this, and I want to read this quote I have traveled the world encouraging millions of people to overcome adversity with faith, hope, love, and courage so that they may pursue their dreams. He goes to schools and speaks, he goes to churches and speaks. Amazing, amazing young man. When we met him, he was single. Now he's married. He has children. God is using this man in a great way. There will always be people that when you're living out God's plan who will be a naysayer and say, how could God use them? Don't allow your status to keep you from doing God's work. The the last reason it can be a nightmare for others is because they just simply have a lack of faith a lack of faith. You know, think about those brothers. Um, I, I didn't put this in the message, but maybe you could even do this yourself. Look up genealogies of the Bible and, and the length of people living. And, and if you look at the background of this, you've got to think, you know, you have Adam who's still alive when Methuselah is, is born and, and living. Methuselah is still alive when Noah is born and and living Noah's sons are still living even up until the time of Abraham you know Joseph and his brothers aren't too far removed from hearing the creation stories it's not like hundreds of thousands of people told this to get down to this young group of boys man they they were pretty close If anybody ought to have faith, it's this family. If anybody ought to know the stories and the miracles of God and how he's worked in their family, it ought to be these boys. And yet, these brothers had such a lack of faith in God that they could not believe that their brother could be used. It was a nightmare to them. Matter of fact, the Bible says they hated him. Do you know the Hebrew word here that they used, hated, is sane, and that word means to hate someone as a foe or an enemy. It wasn't that they just disliked him. It wasn't that they felt like, oh, your dad's favorite, and they picked on him. They despised him. They hated him as if he were an enemy, a foe. That's the way his own brothers felt about him. They could not have enough faith in God to realize God wants to use this young man. And of course, let's be honest, they didn't like what he had to say. God's given me this dream, and in this dream, all of you are going to bow down to me, even mom and dad. Now, let's be honest, if God gave you that kind of dream, are you anxious to go tell your family? No. Some of us would just keep quiet and never say a word. And that's the way some of us are, even whatever God's dream is for us. We just keep quiet about it. I don't want others to look at me and think I can't do this. And so we just don't say anything. It's being a silent witness for the Lord. There is no such thing as a silent witness for the Lord, by the way. You see, it can be a nightmare for other people because some people in their own pride and in their own jealousy, they want to be used instead of God using you. Some people look at you and say, there's no way God could ever use a person like you. And some people just have such a lack of faith. They cannot believe that God would do something like this. But Joseph knew something they didn't. Joseph knew this. With God, all things are possible that's your last point joseph knew anything anything is possible with the lord jesus said it himself and mark all things are possible for the one who believes mark 9 23 with god nothing nothing is impossible joseph is given an incredibly difficult task let's just start with with step one i've got this dream and i've got to go tell my family about this dream that's hard enough. And as we get further into this young man's life, let's think about this. He's going to be thrown into a pit. He's going to be sold into slavery. He's going to be falsely accused and thrown into prison. While in prison, he's going to be forgotten by those who said they would help him. At any one of these points, you and I might have said, forget it, I quit. Joseph never quit while he, even from the earliest of age, as soon as the Lord had given him this purpose, this dream for his life, Joseph was full on the whole way. He knew, with God, all things are, are possible. I do not have to fear. I know the Lord will do this because he's called me to do it. He's going to give me the power to do it. We have to know that message. It is not about me. It is not about you. It's not about my strength, our church's strength, your strength. It is about what God can do through you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know this for a fact, that if God calls you to do something, he will empower you to accomplish the task. That's a promise from the Lord. We should never, ever give up on the dream that God has for us. Now, I had dreams. You know, when I was growing up, man, you, I, I put this on a little video this week. You know, if it was football season, I dreamed about being the next great football star. If it was basketball season, I was going to be that. And between any of those seasons, I was going to be the next greatest drummer to tour the world. I dreamed. And God changed that dream. But I don't believe that I should quit dreaming. I believe God has a bigger dream than I can ever even think of or imagine and I want to be a part of that dream. I want to live out the dream that the Lord has for my life because I know that all those other things I wasn't going to be. I wasn't going to be an NFL star. I wasn't going to be an NBA star. I wasn't going to tour the world because that would have been me, and I'm not good enough. But I do know this. I can live out God's dream because it's not about me. It's about the power the Lord gives me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can do that too. If he has called you, he will empower you to accomplish his dream. With God, all things are possible. Do you have a dream? Is it God's dream? We need to be listening to God and allow him to give us the desires of our heart. And instead of following the dream on this earth, Why not follow the dream of the master creator of the universe? And God's dream is far greater than you can imagine. If God can dream of a solar system with nine planets and a sun, stars, and moons, If he can dream of an earth with the exact amount of oxygen for mankind to breathe and just the right amount of gravity, which gently holds us to the earth, yet you would need to travel seven miles per second to escape its grasp. If God can dream and design and create a human body that has 46 chromosomes and 60,000 miles of blood vessels. If God can create raindrops that fall at a speed of 18 miles an hour. If in God's dream, he can create a, a neutron star in which a thimbleful would weigh over 100 million tons. If God can dream of an ocean whose depths almost reach 36,000 feet. If God can dream into existence so many stars that if you reduced all of them in the Milky Way galaxy to the size of a grain of salt, they would fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool. If God can, and in God's dream, he brings forth hummingbirds, who can consume half their body weight every day in food. If in his dream he can design and create all the animals and even you and me, then just imagine what he can dream for you and me and our church today. Many years ago, God placed his dream in the heart of a young man. The young man was pastoring. He was married, beginning his family. God said, I want to send you to the mission field. That man left everything he had and took off for Japan. While he was there, he had more children, and one of those later in his life felt God had a dream for him to go back to Japan. And so your former pastor, Claude Likens, our current deacon here at the church, Joel Likens, spent their lives in the missions field. And Joel then felt that dream send him on to Russia. And through that dream, there was a young woman. Her name was Rosa. And she came to know Jesus Christ as her Savior because God had a dream. And then he placed a dream in this young lady's heart. I say young lady because she was a young lady in the Lord. We are a part of, well, it's hard to say it. We really are that dream. Because you see, we're it. There really is no other church, no other major organization that supports this mission, Hope Venture in Kyrgyzstan. It's us. That's part of our church. So we began to be a part of this dream. Those buildings... Your hands put that together. Oh, you may not have been there driving nails, but you made donations and you did things that caused that to happen. And it's growing, the needs are growing, and she's doing an incredible ministry there. Now, just like childhood dreams that being the next football star kind of fade away and die, sometimes we do that even in God's dream. I want you to know, and I felt called and led to do this. You needed to know where your pastor stands when it comes to our missions, okay? First and foremost, I have never in my life been a part of a church, whether attending a church, pastoring a church, as a youth pastor, associate pastor, senior pastor, been a part of a church that is so dedicated to supporting missions than this church. For those of you who don't know, 24%, of our our income goes to missions organizations. I had just attended a church growth thing by one of my friends that he said, number one, first and foremost, if you want to be a live, vibrant, healthy, growing church, at least give one quarter of your income out. He said most of the churches that he knew and had talked with barely could even get them to give 10% of their income out. But when you can say, I'll take a quarter of our income to reach other people, that's a heart for serving Jesus. That's a heart for reaching others for Jesus. 24%. We've challenged ourselves to do better than that. Another great thing about this church is this, that every time there's been a need, we've met those needs. And we've never, ever reduced our regular tithing income but we've met the extra need. That's different from every church I've been into. I could almost guarantee you that if I said, we're going to take a love offering today, if the love offering was $700, our tithes and offering would be $700 less. It's just the way people did it. Not this church. This church gives, and then they give beyond. So we jumped into this dream, and and then the world said, I don't like this dream. Matter of fact, I believe the world's kind of saying that about every Christian thing and saying, let's just shut it all down. And they did. Now, we've been able to come back and and we're already talking, we want to get Sunday school going back. We want want every one of our ministries back as much as we can get them. We want this to be as normal as we can get it because God's going to do great things. We want to be a part of that. But what happened is, we forgot about some of those dreams that we were a part of. So I come to you today because of this reason. One, I wanted you to know where I stood. I am absolutely thrilled beyond words that we're this kind of church. And we support these missionaries. I love that about us. Love that about us. And the great thing about it, too, is it's like we don't go around, we give 20, no, we're, we're very humble about it. I love that. Nobody would know that unless you were told. That's wonderful. But we got a window. We've come to a place where we're at a window. I truly believe had COVID not happened, nothing, we would have been fine. We would have been way ahead of the game. But because of that, we've had to put some things, we've just not been as upfront, as you know, motivated about doing what we need to do. And the reason I tell you this now is because the weather in Kyrgyzstan is a very short, brief window of construction weather. It's kind of like Michigan. (laughs) You have 11 months of winter and one month of construction. You know, that's Michigan. Kyrgyzstan has this very short, brief, open window of when they can actually work and, and get materials and do the work there. And we're not done. We actually made a goal. Well, we didn't reach that goal. And so, in our leadership, we've been talking about, you know, before we make plans or anything else, one, we just got to tell our people. They just need to know where we're at and and what we're trying to do and getting back into living out God's dream in this mission. And so, we've got some plans and some ideas. Uh, One, Dylan Seymour had a great idea. He said, you know, Josh and pastor you guys know a lot of other pastors and it may be that another church in the area maybe they're looking for a new mission to support maybe one of their missionaries has come off the field and they're not, they're now looking how do we replace that so just this week i met with some ministers and said i want to introduce you to you know a, a ministry and so i want to get with they're going to plan to get with me i'm going to tell them all about rosa and if they want to be a part of this then great join with us in this dream so that's in the works that's one really good idea you know another really good idea is, is to pray about a faith promise. You've done these before. you know. The, the faith promise is this, Lord, I have no clue what money you're going to bring to me uh, this month, this week, this next three months, whatever. So I'm just going to say as a faith promise, Lord, that whatever that unexpected money that's beyond what I make as a living, beyond those normal things, it's just a total unexpected blessing to me. I'm going to pass that on to bless someone else. And so you have this faith promise. Lord, I'm promising you by faith that what you bring to me, then I will give as a blessing to someone else. So maybe that's what you would want to do. Uh, one, one of our, our board members said, hey, what about tithing off a stimulus check? Some of you could give the whole stimulus check and never blink an eye. I, there's actually people I've talked to, even... Close people who would say, I think it's just ridiculous that, you know, there's so many people relying on this. I've never even cast my first one. And I'm like, hey, I could, you know. <laughs> well, then give it. I believe that the Lord's got an amazing, amazing dream for Kyrgyzstan. When the LaRue's were here and he shared, my wife and I said, and, and not that my daughter would be a part of that ministry, But knowing that my daughter is preparing her life for missions, we thought about her through the whole church service. I believe God has a great and mighty plan for that place, hope venture, through Rosa, who came to know the Lord because God shared a dream with your former pastor to go to Japan. What is the dream God has for you? Are you living out God's dream? Are you still trying to pursue your own dreams? What is God's dream? For Joseph, it was, I'm going to put you through hell on earth so that you can save the earth. That's what I'm going to do. And Joseph lived it out. For the Lord, it was, I'm going to go and die a horrible, horrible death. And take on the sins of every person. Not just those there, but every person who ever lived and will live. I take their sin. And he did it. He lived out the dream. For me, pretty much no-brainer. God called me to preach. I've tried a lot of other things. They don't work. I've got to preach. It's my dream. God's dream for me. What is God's dream for you? What is God's dream for LCC? What is God's dream for Kyrgyzstan? We're a part of that. That's our church. It's our people. So I want to challenge us all today. What is it that God is calling me to do? Because I know that he will empower me to accomplish his will, his purpose, his plan for my life. I'm going to ask the worship team. They're going to come up, and we're going to sing together. You may have noticed a little change in this today, and I am so, so, so grateful for the people in our worship team and how easy they are to work with. Years ago, a seminary professor of mine who was a pastor loved this guy, he said to me, he said, When you teach in your church, you teach formal lessons. You know, a formal lesson. God loves you. That's a formal lesson. I'm teaching you how he loves you and his purpose in loving him. But he said, do you realize you also teach informal lessons? And I didn't really understand what he meant by that. And he says, well, let me ask you, how many of you all, does your worship team come onto the platform during your prayer time? Every pastor in the room. And he said, you are just teaching everybody else in your church that prayer is not important to your worship team. It's just a time to move, time to get in your spot. There's even a little funny video of a guy praying, and he says, and I'm praying, and I'm keeping to pray as the worship team gets in their spot, and I'm going to keep praying because they're not up here yet. It's, it's what we all do. And he said, but what are you teaching? It's an informal lesson. And so I met with our worship this week, and I said, let's not do that anymore. The people, you know they're coming up here, right? I mean, it's not like, boom, they're, wow, how'd that happen? So you'll see they'll move because they need to pray too. They need to be having that time to be praying just as you're praying. And so you're going to see that change because we believe in prayer. And we believe we need to be in prayer. We've always said that. Boy, we're a praying church, aren't we? That's what we're going to teach, formally and informally. We're going to teach that. Love these people. They're going to sing for us here in a minute. I want you to pray. And I'm going to pray with us. We're going to challenge ourselves. Lord, what is your dream for me? Don't let pride and jealousy get in my way. Don't let status get in my way. Don't let a lack of faith get in my way. Lord, what is your dream? My age doesn't matter. My, it, nothing matters. Whatever you call me to do, you will give me the power to do it through the Holy Spirit. What is your dream? With you, all things are possible. I want you to pray that with me now. Lord Jesus, as we come, I ask, what is it you want us to do? Lay on our hearts right now the plan, the purpose, your will, your dream for our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would just challenge every single one of us. And as a church, Lord, we know what our dream is. We accepted this challenge to support this ministry in Kyrgyzstan. That's a part of the dream you have for us. And now, Lord, we've got to finish this dream. We can't just leave it. That's our people, our church. And so, Lord, we've got to get serious about committing ourselves to being a bigger part of that and helping that get done. Lord, I pray that you would lay on our hearts specifics. I want you to do this. And now let me give you the strength and the power to do it so that we have no doubt in our minds. Lord Jesus, we love you. We are so, so thankful for your love to us and for the love of the Holy Spirit that we can have for one another. And Lord, today I leave this room in your hands and let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to us as we sing in Jesus' G-